BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl... She got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. I want you to picture something. You know what? Picture me. That'll be easy because I'm here blessing your eyes on television as we speak. Picture me. Picture my household, all right? And I want you to picture this. We have a lot of debt, 
a lot of it, like half a call it a million. It's an easy number to think of. We have a million dollars in debt in my house, just mortgage payments, two or three mortgages, credit cards, cars. You know, I'm married, so I'm sure she's got some bills, lots of them. It's just the way it is. Right? We got a million bucks in debt, but we're getting by because I've got a good paying job. So we're making the payments every month. We're certainly not saving anything up. We're barely scraping by on some of these payments, but we're making them. All right, we're making them. Everything's fine. Now, coronavirus comes out. Coronavirus comes out and boom, I lose my job. So on top of all the debt we have, remember all these bills are still piling up. We still owe all this money and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And now, now I'm not bringing any money in at all, not a dime. So it's growing exponentially. And there's a solution for this. In order to pay these bills, because I don't have a job, instead of cutting back on spending it all, instead of finding another job, we find a place that's going to loan us money. For interest, of course, but they're going to loan us a large sum of money, charging us interest to pay off the other bills we have to pay off every single month. No new job. No spending cuts. In fact, we're going to spend more. You know what? Let's put in a pool. Let's get a dog. We're going to spend more because we have this new loan out. Yes, interest and stuff like that. What would you say to me if that was a real situation? If that was really my situation and I sat down and I laid all that out for you, what would you say to me? Well, if you were an honest person a thinking person, and I'm guessing you probably are, you would say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You're financially ruining ruining yourself now, and you're financially ruining your kids in the future just for a brief moment of gratification now. Why aren't you cutting spending? Why aren't you finding a different job and cutting spending? That's what you'd say to me, because you're sane. You understand that's what we've done as the United States of America, as a country, what I just described to you is exactly what we did. We, because of a virus, a virus with 99.9 and change percent survivability rate, because of a virus, we stopped production in America. Remember, basically the whole country at one point in time came out, medical experts, stop, better stop, get home, social distance, lock down, make sure you lock down. Whoa, 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 don't leave your home. Go home. Just watch Netflix. It'll all be fine. But remember this. Before coronavirus, before coronavirus ever came, we were still running up trillion-dollar deficits, not just under Barack Obama, under Donald Trump, trillion-dollar deficits. We were national debt $26 trillion and change, a number so big your mind can't even wrap around it. My mind, even as big as my mind is, I can't wrap around that. So that's where we were. Then coronavirus hits. We essentially, as a nation, lose our job. No more money incoming. Now government revenues are way down. Your personal revenues way down. What did we do? We didn't go out and seek a new job. We didn't get America back to work right away to get more money coming in. We told people to stay home even longer. And we borrowed more money. We borrowed more money with interest. 
That insane analogy I gave you at the beginning of the show, that's what we did as a country. And you know where we are right now? Even though we have 30, 40, 50 million unemployed, depending on which number you believe, it's a lot. No matter what you believe, it's a lot. And maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you're not one of those people. But we are in that stage right now where we got that sweet new loan money coming in. Spending a little more, shoot, I can't wait to swim in the pool. Oh, don't worry about the bills. We got the bank loan coming. We'll pay the bills off with those. You know what, honey? Go get yourself a pearl necklace, too. Yeah, buy yourself something nice. We're fine. We're in that period right now. What does it look like when that loan stops? Even if you get back to work at that point in time. Remember, you were barely making the bill payments in the beginning. Now you got a new loan, a big loan. That's what we've done in the United States of America. And what's crazy is, because we're in that period of time with all that new sweet loan money coming in, people don't fully realize it yet. But they will. They will. Remember a long time ago, after he initially pushed for the lockdowns, it's almost like somebody got a hold of him. Trump came out and said, well, we can't keep this up. We have to open our country. You know, I, I had an expression, the cure can't be worse than the problem itself, right? I started by saying that. And I continue to say it. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. we got to get our country open. But it's not open. And the problem with this is once you set us on a track, once America decided that lockdowns were a solution to coronavirus, once you set that narrative in people's heads, enough of the country just accepted it. And now you still see people willingly just heading on back home. Well... Mayor says I have to go home. I guess I'll just do it. Now it's in your mind. It's in the mind of people all around me. And I don't even live in one of these crazy blue leftist states. I'm in Texas. I'm in a Houston area. I'm in Republicanville, out where I live. And you know what? All the young mothers are already chirping at the school for talking about opening again. Oh, little Braden and Aiden and Jaden, they can't go back and get coronavirus. Dr. Fauci said we have to lock down. Once you put it in the minds of people, that you have to stay home or you're in grave danger, then you've already, you've already set that ship a sail. Larry Kudlow, Trump's economic guy, says it too. But the president is right. The cure can't be worse than the disease. And we're going to have to make some difficult trade-offs. I'm not the spoke. I don't want to get ahead of the story. I spoke to the president about this very subject late last evening. So we'll be looking at a number of different things. You know what stinks? And I actually don't blame Trump for this. I don't blame Kudlow for this. I don't blame the governors. I don't blame the mayors. Because I understand it's such a softer public today than it ever was. People have such sensitivities today. They use stupid words like microaggression and things like that. But the truth of the matter is this. Somebody has to stand up and be more frank than that. Somebody has to stand up and say, yes, coronavirus is going to kill people in the United States of America. But we cannot set our economy back decades because of that. Because in the long run, with all the things that come with that, that hurts and kills more people. The greater good is to march on. Have you talked to a mental health person in any one of these big cities? 
a person manning the suicide hotline in any of these big cities? I have. Oh, believe me, we've got casualties out there that aren't coronavirus casualties. They're lockdown casualties. Rehab centers are overwhelmed by people relapsing. There are real casualties that come with kneecapping your own economy. And we have people like this idiot mayor in L.A., Garcetti, listen to him. How much worse does it have to get in Los Angeles before you feel compelled to issue another stay-at-home order? Sure. Well, I think we're on the brink of that. Uh, but as I've told people over the last week, the discipline, and I think a lot of people don't understand, mayors often have no control over what opens up and doesn't. That's either at a state or county level. Mm. Yeah. That's the mayor of the second biggest city in the United States of America who has not only destroyed his city, he's bowed to the Black Lives Matter mob, and he's cutting funding for the Los Angeles Police Department. Do you have any idea what it's going to be like in L.A. when he's done with that? And just so you know, just so you understand, I know if you watch this show, you get this by now, but economies don't just pause and then play whenever you're ready. You pause one for this long, you've cost many, 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 many businesses forever. They're gone and they're never coming back. We have several in my area alone. You've caused millions of jobs to be gone forever. When I say a long recovery, I mean, here, listen. We've been adding jobs for more than a year now, but we still have a huge deficit in the labor market. We would have to add 285,000 jobs every month for five years in order to get back to the pre-recession unemployment rate. And that is why most people are not forecasting that we will get back to pre-recession unemployment rates in five years. It is likely going to take much longer. It's not that, all right, we have a 9% unemployment rate, so 91% of people are faring okay. You know, they're, they're re it really is a lot more broadly felt than that. We have around 25 million people in this country who are either unemployed or underemployed. That's dire, man. That's dire. And people are saying things a lot. People on the right. You're probably saying them too. I've said them. They're saying things like what Eric Trump says here. Listen, Bi Biden loves this. Biden can't go out on stage without making some horrible blunder. I mean, even from his basement, he's making awful gaffes every single day. So his campaign's thrilled that he's not going out there. And they think they're taking away Donald Trump's greatest tool, which is being able to go into an arena and fill it with 50,000 people every single time, right? So they, they will, and you watch, they'll milk it every single day between now and November 3rd, and guess what? After November 3rd, coronavirus will magically all of a sudden go away and disappear, and everybody will be able to reopen. They're trying to deprive him of, of, of his, his greatest asset, um, which is the fact that the American people love him, the fact that he's relatable, the fact that he can go out there and draw massive crowds, Joe Biden can't get 10 people in a room. My father's getting 50,000 in a room. Let's be clear about something. Everything Eric Trump just said right there is 100% true. Democrats have pounced on this. People like that idiot mayor in L.A., Garcetti, have pounced on this. They are purposely killing their own economies because they think it hurts Donald Trump's re chances of re-election, and it does. But, and this is a big but, how could you possibly be surprised by that? How could you not see that coming back when you started lockdowns? 
if I could see it coming, and remember, I was here on camera. I was telling you about it every night. They're going to use it. It's going to get worse. You watch. And now they've done it. If I can see it coming, and I went to community college, how could all the people in Washington not see it coming? Of course Democrats are going to use this to wreck the country. The modern Democrat Party, not your father's, not Bill Clinton's, the modern Democratic Party hates America. Not even slightly apprehensive about saying that. They do. So, of course they're going to use a chance to destroy America, especially if it means power. What, do you think they care about people? <laughs> All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, that was a little heavy. That was a little dark. You might find yourself tossing and turning a bit tonight. I used to do that too before I got an sleep. You see, now I put on my ebb sleep when I go to bed, and I'm out like that. And not only am I out, I stay out. The biggest problem I have now is I sleep too long on one side, and I wake up and I have the lines, you know, the lines on your face. That's a great problem to have. Go find out for yourself. You can try it risk-free for 60 days. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE, though. It gets you 25 bucks off. We'll be back. Joining me now is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, Brian Riedel. Brian, first of all, the Manhattan Institute sounds like a place where you need an IQ of about 950 to get in. Is that the kind of place we're talking about here? Uh, I have a lot of really smart, accomplished colleagues. I'm probably dragging the place down a little bit, but there's a lot <laughs> of great people there. Believe me, I hear you. I drag my entire network down, but whatever, I'm here, and that's the way it's going to be. Brian, <laughs> one thing that, El, that is really dragging the nation down as a whole are lockdowns. Obviously, I was dead set against them from the very beginning. It really wasn't about the virus on my end. I was just trying to explain to people that you can't just hit stop on a $20 trillion economy without severe repercussions. Are we going to see those repercussions? Uh, the, the economic impact of the lockdown has truly been remarkable. Um, we've lost 17 million jobs, plus 5 million more moved from full-time to part-time. Over the decade, we're going to lose $17 trillion in economic output, according to CBO. The unemployment rate will be elevated through 2024, and the economy will not be fully back to its potential growth level until 2028. The hopes for a V-shaped recession have really fallen apart. Unfortunately, this is going to be with us for a long time, in part because a lot of the reopenings have, have gone backwards now, particularly in southern states. Additionally, uh, schools are going to remain closed in a lot of places this fall. And if the schools are closed, the parents are home. They're not going to work uh, outside of the home. 17 trillion dollars i did hear you right what is the plan how do you even make up that ground by 2028 that sounds like such a big number the human mind can't wrap the, it around we will never actually make it up completely the 17 trillion dollars is remarkable that's gdp we're never going to get back by 2028 
at least the economy will finally be performing at its optimal level once again. But you're still not going to get the $17 trillion back. That's a lot of income, a lot of jobs, a lot of GDP. Poof, gone forever. What about the CARES Act that Congress passed? Now, I've railed against it from the beginning as being absolutely insane, doing virtually nothing, and only adding on to the debt. But am I dead wrong? Was it, was it super beneficial? I think it's helped somewhat, although there was a lot of wasteful provisions in it. You know, the, the parts of the CARES Act that I, that I can support is anything that just, you know, keeps the unemployed afloat, anything that, that can help some businesses not go out of business and still be back. How effective that has been, there's a lot of disagreement on it. There are some people who say that the CARES Act has saved millions of jobs. There are some people who say it hasn't saved very much. Outside of that, however, there has been a lot of things like the $1,200 rebates that really serves no purpose. Um, if, the, if, if you really are trying to help the unemployed pay their bills, giving everybody a check for $1,200, including those who are still going to work, really serves no purpose. I think we could have had a lot smaller CARES Act, and I'm a little afraid moving forward that Congress is going to do what they always do, which is overspend. Some parts have been effective, but you know how Congress works, Jesse. They, they, for every dollar that they spend well, they waste about 10. Yeah. All right, Brian, what, what should Congress do? If Brian Riedel was given dictatorial power over the next law that passes Congress, what are you passing? Nothing? Are you passing something? What are you doing? Well, the first thing I'm doing is scaling back the $600 bonus in unemployment benefits, where uh, most people are getting back more than they even made while they were working. There's really no justification to spend taxpayer dollars on that. So the first thing I do is scale back the bonus unemployment benefits so that people are getting closer to 75, 80% of their wages, not 150%. I think there's a case for extending some of the PPP program to keep businesses afloat. I do not think we need more rebates. Uh, those were have not been particularly effective. And we do not need more state and local government bailouts. I've done some analysis. And if states are willing to uh, use their rainy day funds, as well as some of the money they've already received from Washington, about 45 states have enough money to close their budget gaps for the entire uh, rest of the year. So I, 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 I'm looking for something a little, a little small, some unemployment benefits, some business aid, not a lot of the rest. What should a state do, setting the federal government aside for a moment, what should a state do that's in bad financial straits? Now, we're, I'm, I'm not going to assign blame just yet. I would say most of that's their own fault. But let's say you're a state, you're looking at a balance sheet, and it is ugly right now. What should you do? The first thing you should do is tap your reserve fund, which a lot of states aren't doing, because instead they're trying to get Washington to pay for everything. So they're purposely not touching the reserve funds that exist precisely for this situation. Tap your reserve funds, tap your pandemic funds. And from there, you may have to address some waste in your state budget. You know, a lot of state budgets have been really bloated over the last several years. You know, I, I don't think you want to do mass layoffs at this time but there's a lot of fat to cut. And you know, some states may have to do a little bit of borrowing to hold themselves over too. What they don't need is a trillion dollar bailout from Washington, which is what Nancy Pelosi and House, House Democrats tried to pass. That bailout was gonna be six times bigger than the actual shortfalls in all these states. That's, that's a waste. 
What can Washington do besides passing a new law to help jumpstart the economy? Again, I know Donald Trump's been outstanding at cutting regulations. Should we be slashing more of those? Are there more to slash? I'm assuming there's a ton more. Should they be going for a tax cut? Should the Fed be doing something different? What, what needs to be coming from Washington? Well, I think the, the Federal Reserve has been aggressive, and I, and I think that that's good at this point, just basically maintaining liquidity in the market. There is a concern that if they grow their balance sheet too big, you're going to have inflation. And I think so. the Federal Reserve should be continuing what they're doing, but be ready to pull it back when the economy recovers. There's always red tape to cut. It's always good to make it easier to hire, especially in industries like energy, where there's so much red tape, you can't do much of anything. Additionally, instead of a trillion dollar infrastructure package, why don't we just cut the red tape on existing infrastructure? You know, right now it takes four and a half years just to get the environmental impact statement done before you can do an infrastructure project. Instead of putting money into it, why don't we streamline a lot of the, the environmental regulations so that you can actually do things quickly instead of waiting four years? That wouldn't cost taxpayers a nickel businesses are businesses going to be coming here or fleeing here in the coming years here's my concern brian i'm concerned businesses are are going to assume they're going to be looked at like a sheep that needs fleeced here shortly if joe biden wins uh you know he's not as far left as bernie sanders or elizabeth warren however the corporate tax plan that he has proposed would be, it would raise corporate taxes seven times bigger than the size of the corporate tax cuts in the 2017 tax cuts, if you just go by pure dollars. It wouldn't raise the rate as high as we had before the, tax, the corporate tax cuts, but it would do so much with making more income taxable that it would actually cost businesses seven times as much as they saved in the 2017 tax cuts. If that happens, you are gonna see businesses fleeing out the door. You're gonna see corporate inversions. You're gonna see companies uh, relocating to Ireland, Europe, the, the Bermuda, the Cayman Islands. We have to be very careful that now is not the time to push away job creation. Okay, you mentioned inflation. I am extremely concerned about inflation. Why should I not be concerned about it when you're pumping these kind of numbers out there of unbacked currency? Yeah, the, the Federal Reserve has essentially monetized $1.7 trillion of the $3 trillion we've borrowed over the last few months. So about 60% of, of all the deficits we've had this year have essentially been funded by the printing press. Now, some will point out that the Federal Reserve increased its balance sheet by about $2 trillion during the last recession without inflation. On the flip side, if they keep going from this point, the effect is cumulative. You get to a certain point where if you're monetizing two, three, four trillion dollars, there has to be some inflationary effect at some point, uh, as, as, especially once the economy recovers. And instead of sitting in the banks, banks start taking that money and lending it out. It starts circulating through the economy rather than sitting in their reserves. And then you can have inflation pretty quickly. I don't think inflation is a concern immediately, but as soon as the economy recovers, those dollars are going to be in demand through the economy. Banks are going to pour, start pouring them out. And then you have to start looking pretty closely at, at inflation possibilities. Brian Riedel, thank you so much for giving us some time tonight, sir. Thanks so much, Jesse. HomeTitleLock.com. 
Go there right now. While I'm talking to you, go there right now and register your address. Just find out if you're already a victim of home title theft. And you might be. You know that, right? It's not as if the cyber thieves get a hold of your home title, put your signature on it, go get a loan out against it, take off with the money, and leave you a memo on the way out the door. Hey, thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. No, no. The first time you usually find out that you've been a victim of this is when you get a late notice in the mail. Uh, honey, did we take out a loan? I... Or you get an eviction notice. That's happening. People, because of home title theft, people are being evicted from their homes right now in the United States of America. Don't. Don't be a victim of that. Go get HomeTitleLock.com. Your home insurance cannot protect you. Your identity theft services aren't going to protect you. Home Title Lock can protect you from this. And when you use the code JESSE, you get 30 free days. Use the code JESSE, 30 free days, HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Joining me now, a lady who might be the smartest person ever to join us on the show and without question has the coolest name of anybody who's ever joined me on the show, Dr. Kelly Victory, trauma and mass casualty public health expert. Dr. Kelly or Dr. Victory, which one should it be? Because I really want to say Dr. Victory. Uh, you go either one. I answer to lots of names, but Dr. Victory or Kelly are great. <laughs> All right, doctor. Well, Tell me what you've seen out there public health-wise. I'll be honest with you, and you may disagree, that's totally fine. I have argued from the beginning that these lockdowns, locking down a society of innocent people, is actually not good for a lot of reasons beyond economic for public health reasons. This is hurting the mental health of the United States of America. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all, Jesse, and I couldn't agree with you more. I've said the very same from the beginning. Um, I have never indicated or never stated that I thought the virus was a hoax or not serious or anything of that sort. The virus is very real, but our response to it, I believe, has been an unmitigated disaster uh, for a number of reasons. As you point out, we have ended up doing far more damage to people, to millions and millions of people than would ever have happened by virtue of the virus itself. And we can talk about why that is. So everything from shutting down businesses to this idea of quarantining healthy people, um, which we've never done in the past, to this really um, horrible idea of shutting down schools and all services for children. All across the board, these things have had devastating impact, very, very negative to far more people than would ever have been impacted by the virus. Tell it, you said we could talk about why that is. I want to talk about why that is. Talk about it, please. Well, first of all, we know that this virus, we, we know quite a bit about this virus, despite the fact that it's, quote, a novel coronavirus. We've known quite a bit about it since the end of January, and we certainly have learned a tremendous amount in the ensuing uh, weeks and months. Most importantly, Jesse, we know who the target uh, population is or those people who are truly at significant risk of becoming ill from this virus or God forbid needing hospitalization and dying. 
And that population is the elderly population, those people we say over the age of 65, but in reality, it's really more over the age of 75. And those who have significant underlying what we call comorbidities, uh, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and underlying lung disease. We know that those are the people by far who have the greatest risk of succumbing to this. So the idea that we've taken everybody else, the masses, and acted as if they are the same risk category is that very, as that very small population defies logic. One of the things about this virus compared to say the Spanish flu back in 1918 is that it is that elderly population. And those people by and large aren't in the working force anyway. So we didn't need to close down businesses and destroy people's livelihoods and destroy the economy in order to protect that subset of the population that would end up falling prey to this. In 1918, tragically, the people most at risk from that were those people right smack in their healthy sort of prime of their lives. Those people aged 20 to 40, that was the target in 1918. That's a real problem because those folks are the people keeping the economy running. But this time, that wasn't the case. Then you take children. Uh, and did you have a question? Am I cutting you off? No, no, go ahead, please. No, no, please continue. Then you take children who have essentially, for all intents and purposes, a zero risk of becoming significantly ill from COVID-19. Um, the, there's been a handful, even according to the CDC, from February 1st to the present, they are only counting a total of 30, three zero deaths in the country of people under the age of 18 from COVID. And even those, they are not saying at this point were from COVID. They just are saying that COVID was quote unquote involved. So children are essentially at nearly a zero risk of becoming significantly ill from the virus. And furthermore, we know that kids aren't significant, what we call vectors, meaning they aren't likely to actually spread the disease to adults. So armed with those two facts, to make a public health or policy decision to shut schools, shut summer camps, shut daycares, and all of the unbelievable trickle down that that has both economically and to the psychological, social, emotional, and physical health of children is unconscionable. What should we be doing with the children? Because I will tell you, I'm glad you brought up, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, doctor, because we're coming up on school season. I've got small kids. I know so many of my viewers have small kids and we're already hearing the chirping of, you know, the scared suburban mom can't send the kids back to school. We can't send the kids to school. There's government guidance. Governors are freaking out. Mayors are freaking out. This is beyond physically, mentally, this sucks for my kids and my kids are relatively normal, well-adjusted kids. This has got to be terrible for the mental health of children in this country. Well, let's, let's start looking. First, obviously, the most significant obvious impact is on their, their uh, academic or educational uh, platform. We know that now there are studies predicting that kids at this point, if they went back in September uh, as they should, 
they are already starting 35% behind in reading and English skills than they would have been if they had not missed those months back in the spring and 50% behind in math. Okay, that's even greater for minority children for black and Latino kids are going to have even a bigger impact. So on the academic side, they're already really starting behind the eight ball. Then let's look at other things like the fact that the vast majority of cases of child abuse and neglect are picked up at school. We've seen a 30% decrease in reported cases of child abuse and neglect since, Feb since February and then greater, okay. Now, I would submit to you that's not because kids locked at home with their parents, many of whom are out of work and are desperate themselves, that all of a sudden child abuse has gone away. No, it's because those kids aren't in school where it would have otherwise been picked up. Visual or vision and hearing problems, largely picked up by teachers at school, not by parents. So kids are missing all of that. In addition to all of the social interaction, the, the regimen, the idea of having structure, learning all of those, what we call soft skills, like learning to wait in line and raise your hand and delay gratification. Those things that kids learn that make them highly functioning and successful adults. So I agree with you. There are a lot of you know Facebook moms and suburban moms out there who are saying, oh, but I just don't feel safe. It's time for people to really look. We talk about the science. Let's look at the science. Let's look at the data. 22 countries have fully opened up for school with no restrictions, no masks, no social distancing, none of this. 22, and not yesterday, not last week, but five and six weeks ago. And those countries are not seeing upticks in cases. They are not seeing spread of the virus from children to teachers or children to their parents or elderly grandparents at home. It simply isn't happening. So if you truly want to look at the data that's out there, then let's look at it and say, of all things to lock down, schools make absolutely no sense in addition to the fact that a parent uh, has to stay home with those kids if they're not home. So there's this enormous domino effect to the economy. Doctor, that was absolutely outstanding. Please come back and join us sometime. Thank you so much, ma'am. Terrific. Thank you. Man, that lady was dynamite. And that was, uh, that was tough to hear, wasn't it? I mean, I've got kids. I know you've got kids. That abuse stat, 30% fewer. That's tough. We won't know the full extent of what we've done, maybe ever, but it won't become even clearer for some time now, and it's been, it's been ugly. All right, enough of that. Enough of that ugliness. Let's talk about something great. Me. I love, well, listening to audio. That's what I do. When I'm not giving you great TV content or giving you great radio content, I have my Raycon earbuds in my ear and I'm listening to music or I'm listening to podcasts. I'm always doing something with my Raycon earbuds in my ear and I can do that because they're comfortable. Yes, they sync up easily to Bluetooth, less than 10 seconds. You can turn them up, turn them down, fast forward, rewind. I love all this, but they're just so stinking comfortable in my ear. I love them. Go get yourself some. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off the already great price. We'll be back.
Joining me now, my friend and host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Drew, I don't know what happened to prompt this Miami Vice look you've got going, but let me tell you, brother, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not too ashamed to compliment another man. It's working for you, whatever's going on over there. All right, thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. It's Friday. It's Florida. Let's do this. <laughs> Drew, um, the economy's not good, man. And now we have word that Republicans are, of course, I know, surprise, surprise, gearing up to pass another trillion, starting out at a trillion-dollar bill through Congress. There are people, my inbox is full of people that are just absolutely throwing up their hands at this point in time and saying, screw it, none of it matters. What are we supposed to do about these people? I, I don't know, because I feel just like they do. And, and I know yeah. I know your thoughts on it, too, for the most part. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that this that this conversation keeps happening, uh, you know, despite <laughs> all the other data and all the other science that's out there that's proving that that this I mean, look, we know that the reason that there's violence in the streets, the reason that the, the pandemic and all this this, you know, panic that's being pushed by the mainstream media is because the Democrats don't have a good candidate. Their candidate literally. Uh, the rant that he went on yesterday on his live stream, I, I still can't figure out what he said, uh, nor can the other 19 people that were there. So it comes down to this, and, and passing more of these bills is not going to help anyone. It's not going to help anything, and it just goes to show that the Republicans, as we've talked about before, don't they don't get it. They're not helping the situation either. Drew, you don't live in D.C. You don't live in one of these gigantic cities. So let me ask you something as much as you can. Do you think the American people want this? I'm sorry, dude. I don't live in one of these big cities either, and I don't live in D.C. I don't hear anybody I know clamoring for another big bill, yet everyone in D.C. is convinced they have to pass it. Is there a disconnect there? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, look, you, there, I, I know there's still some people who are struggling out there, and, and obviously that stinks. And and we want this economy going. But the way to fix everything is not just more handouts and living in fear like we're doing. The way to fix things is to let things open back up. People will get back on their feet. Like this, I'm, the, I'm no economist or mathematician. Like you don't want me handling any of that stuff, but it's, it's a simple enough concept that I understand as soon as we open this thing back up, it is going to get roaring again. It might not, it might not go zero to 60 in a few seconds, but it is going to go pretty darn fast and people are gonna get back on their feet. So. So giving people handouts, look, I know AOC and people like that have said, don't go back to work. You know, that's that's obviously the socialist way. But most people just want to get back to work. I think most people don't want more handouts. They want to get back and open their businesses or try and land in another job since some of them have lost them, not just rely on this because the government's unreliable. When's the government ever come through for, for anyone? Never. And, and Drew, I've argued from the beginning, and I feel like we're really seeing the fruits of this a lot, that more than anything else, these lockdowns were a real class war thing. I don't like saying that because it's kind of a commie thing to say, but all the people who had secure jobs or plenty of money stashed away, they seemed like they, seemed like they were all the ones telling everybody to shut up, go home, stay inside, hide under your bed, where it's all the blue collar types, all the people, for instance, who work in the service industry who were dying to go back to work, they got told to go stuff it and they're out there dying right now. They don't have any money. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. No, it's very, very easy. You know, you see the politicians, you know, you see the Pelosi's of the world who 
are worth Lord knows how much money. You know, there's reports all over the place. But you see these people who it doesn't affect them. Um, and, and she doesn't know what's going on anyways. But then you see these Hollywood yeah. actors. You see these big tech, you know, CEOs and C-level executives across the country. It's like, time out. You guys can't be the ones speaking for it. You see athletes talking about it's like none of you guys are everyday Americans. Everyday Americans need to get back to work, whether you're, you know, a waitress, a waiter, uh, whatever, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone someone doing something other than making millions of dollars or that has a trust fund set aside somewhere. People need to get back to work. And, and it just it's blown my mind that, A, they have the goal to come out and speak the way that they have and push this narrative and B, that everyone's listening to them. It's like, you you know you're different than us and you know you're different than them, so so stop listening to them. Just think for yourself and, and, and try and get back on your feet, so. Drew, Democrats are clearly convinced that they should lock down more because they think it hurts Trump. It's not, it's, look, it's the worst kept secret in the world. They're trying to ruin economies because right. so they think it hurts Donald Trump. My question is, does it? Do people look past their mayor who's locking them down or their governor who's locking them down and blame the guy sitting in the White House? Or do people look and say that wasn't Trump or at least it's not Trump now, it's the mayor. I'm trying to figure out how this swing voter who voted for Obama twice and then turned around and voted for Trump, I'm trying to figure out how that person votes the next time if this economy stays bad. Yeah, I think it's tricky when it comes to COVID and to the economy because, it, I mean, again, there's no answers out there. You know, neither side has, has, has really provided good information. The only thing we know for certain is that, as you said, Democrats want the lockdown to continue because it can only make Trump look bad. Whether people buy into it or not is, is TBD, but, it, but they know that that's their only play there. I think that there's going to be people who do turn to the other side, unfortunately, because of that. I think there's going to be people on, on the Dem side or that moderate side who, who maybe start to say, no, 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 I don't want this. I see what you've been doing here if you're in California or Michigan or, or Washington or Oregon. Uh, no one talks about Kate Brown, by the way. She's awful. Um, but those those people, I think it's it's a tougher thing to figure out where I think that they've really screwed up is, is their hands. I mean, their fingerprints are all over the violence you see in these cities in Chicago, Portland, Seattle, et cetera. And where I think they've really screwed up like they have with so many of their other things the, the past four years trying to get rid of Trump is doubling down and pushing back on that because no one wants, no one understands COVID, but people understand we don't want our cities on fire, police officers being assaulted, like they've gone too far there. And I think that that's gonna wake up the, the Trump base and the conservatives who maybe would have been complacent. And they're now gonna get out there on November, November 3rd, they're gonna vote. Let's hope so. Drew Berquist, host of This Is My Show. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, well, the bad news is we probably have a long road to hoe here as the saying goes, which Come to think of it, I actually don't know what that saying means. Who would hoe a road? Don't you hoe a garden? Ah, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But we're going to be here for you every step of the way. All right. We'll see you. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. Now I walk in, I'm in the bar. 
Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannikaram, here to announce a new season of our show in retrospect. Which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.